Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Our Christmas sermon text is a very familiar one. Perhaps we can read it with new ears and eyes. It is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It's printed in your bulletin. Follow along as I read aloud. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, we want to know his will. If we want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you've given us this word. Uh, ancient words from Isaiah, which have come true in the birth of your son 2,000 years ago, whose birth is a gift to this world that continues on to this day, to the end of the age. Help us have eyes to see this. May we be humbled before you as we study this important word we pray. Amen. Ever received uh, an unexpected gift from an unlikely giver that just kind of comes out of the blue? I had a friend of mine had this happen to him a few years back. He, he uh, works at a Wall Street firm, and, and the guy he did business with uh, gave him this giant, wonderful, hasty-bake barbecue grill. <laughs> Talk about unsolicited gift from out of the blue. He had no room for it in his Manhattan apartment. So he ended up giving it to me. Any of you guys live in New York? If you got too big of gifts, make sure uh, you remember me out here. Anyway, unsolicited gifts like these can be, they, they can be perplexing. They come out of the blue, right? See, we don't want to be indebted. Gifts towards us, they seem to lay a claim upon our lives. And, and so by giving us a gift, others have a sort of, sort of a power over us. That's why my friend's Wall Street firm takes gifts to its employees seriously. For every gift my friend accepts from outside suppliers, he has to make an in-kind, like-matching cash donation to an approved charity. So check this out. My friend receives a $1,000 plus charcoal grill that he gives to me because he cannot use it. Then he has to write a check for $1,000 to the United Way or something like that so that no one can say that he was bought by his supplier. It's crazy, huh? But it's true. When others give us a gift, uh, we sense that that person maybe has some sort of power over us. My friends, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, but is it not also harder to receive than it is to give? 
And the Christmas story we just read helps us wrestle with this truth. Joseph, Joseph was betrothed to Mary, Mary, but she becomes pregnant somehow. And he just wants to send her away so there won't be any problems for the two of them. But then an angel speaks and he says something. He says, don't freak out. Um, that baby inside Mary's womb, it's, it's going to be born the, the Son of God, a gift to this world. The world isn't asking for it, but it's exactly what this world needs. What I hope we see this morning is that Christmas presents us with a, with a gift from God, and it's totally unsolicited. The problem is we're, we're not looking for it, and we foolishly think we do not need it. So hopefully this morning we will come to understand that God's unsolicited gift of His Son is the gift of Christmas that we must receive with joy. We're going to look at that truth under two headings. First, we're going to look at the delusion that hinders and then the humility that surrenders. What is the delusion that humanity suffers from that hinders us from receiving God's gift? I'm sure there's a number of them, but the one I want us to look at this morning is that we deludedly think that Christmas is about us becoming better givers. Christmas for much of America is about exercising our muscle of giving at this special time of year. So it becomes a chance to feel pretty good about ourselves as we chuck a couple coins into a kettle. William Willimon, who I'm indebted to this morning, he makes this point. Listen, here's what he says. He says, consider what we do at Christmas, the so-called season of giving. We enjoy thinking of ourselves as basically generous, benevolent, giving people. That's one reason why everyone, even the nominally religious, love Christmas. Christmas is a season to celebrate our alleged generosity. The newspaper keeps us posted on how many needy families we have adopted. The Salvation Army kettle enables us to be generous while buying groceries for ourselves or gifts for our families. People we work with who usually balk at the collection to pay for the morning coffee fall over themselves, soliciting funds to, quote, make some Christmas for a family. It's insightful, right? We tend to think that Christmas is about us exercising this muscle of giving. All the while, really, it's, if we just think about it, it's really a focus really is what focus usually is in our lives. It's, it's on ourselves. You know, we tend to view Christmas as a time where we can be a little bit charitable so that we Avoid looking ourselves like charity cases. We like to think ourselves as givers. I think that's why the Charles Dickens story, you know, the um, Christmas Carol, it's one of our favorite Christmas stories. Dickens' character, right, Ebenezer Scrooge, does he not suggest that deep down even the worst of us can be generous givers? But the real Christmas story, the one we read here in Matthew's Gospel, is not how blessed it is to be givers, but how essential it is to what? To see ourselves as receivers. Willeman writes, We prefer to think of ourselves as givers, powerful, competent, self-sufficient, capable people whose goodness motivates us to employ some of our power, competence, and gifts to the benefit of less fortunate, which is a direct contradiction of the biblical account of the first Christmas. There we are portrayed not as givers we wish we were, but as the receivers we are. 
Luke and Matthew go to great lengths to demonstrate that we, with our power, generosity, competence, and capabilities, listen, had little to do with God's work in Jesus. God wanted to do something for us so strange, so utterly beyond the bounds of human imagination, so foreign to human projection, that God had to resort to angels, pregnant virgins, and stars in the sky to get it done. We didn't think of it, understand it, or approve it. All we could do at Bethlehem was receive it, a gift from a God we hardly even knew. Think about it. When, when, when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, he's scratching his head. And it, he's a nice guy, but he's like, he just like rejects her explanation. Yeah, right. You're, you're still a virgin and somehow you got a baby, right? Instead of making a big production over it, he says, how about we just, how about I give you a certificate of divorce? I'm going to give you something that'll help you. Then we can both go on with our lives. Joseph, I mean, it says he was a just man, a righteous man. He probably thought he was doing good by doing that. But then the angel speaks to him and he says, I've got a gift for you. The angel's first gift is what? Divine revelation. He says, so Joseph, I get it. I know it's hard for you to believe in miracles and all, but don't fear to take Mary as your wife because conceived in her is a child um, conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. This gift of divine revelation changed everything. It prepared him for an even deeper revelation of a greater gift. The angel says, this child in her is a boy. You're going to name him Jesus, which literally means in the Hebrew, means the Lord saves and then the angel says, and you know, um, God's been planning this for a long time. Remember way back Isaiah, 700, 750 years ago? He said those words to King Ahaz, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Remember that promise? Well, it's finally coming true. And that woman you're betrothed to. That baby in your wife's womb is God's gift of his own son to this world, born to save those who trust in him. And so with this divine gift of revelation, Joseph believes and he obeys. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. And so the delusion is that we think Christmas is about uh, all about us becoming better givers. When really it's about what? It's about us becoming a people who can receive the gift of Jesus Christ, who saves his people from their sins. You know that word sin? We don't like it. I think it's partly because of our delusion. Yes, we're pretty good at seeing sin in other people, right? Anybody pretty good at that? I don't know I am, right? But it's kind of hard to see it in our own lives, right? We're kind of blind to it. We moderns don't like the word sin. It's confrontational. It puts us on our defensive heels. How dare you, we say. But know this, sin isn't so much all the little, like the naughty things you know you shouldn't be doing. Here's what sin really is. Sin is living in your creator's world as if your creator doesn't exist. Living with the gifts that God has given you to display his glory and yet you use them for your own glory. That's a very simple understanding of what sin is. And I think when we think of sin that way, I think we all have to say, I'm guilty of that. And so we all need this baby to grow up 
suffer for our guilt and shame for us on the cross. What we see is the innocent Son of God dies as a gift to the people of God. People who want nothing to do with God. God sends His Son anyway. Now, you can argue all you want about what you think Christmas is for you, a time to slow down, time to be thankful for a somewhat okay life, right? A time to exercise your gift muscles. But that's not what this angel is saying Christmas is about. The angel says that Christmas is about, is about God giving us an unsolicited gift, which we think we do not need, which is his son. So the question is, do you, do you perhaps have a misunderstanding as to the meaning of Christmas? You see that it, it's good to give gifts, right? But ultimately, Christmas is about us being good receivers, receivers of God's grace and his mercy and his love towards us in Christ. Christmas is a time for us to clear our minds of any delusion that we're somehow earning our way to God's favor. We need to be a people who are ready and willing to receive gifts from God. But how do we get that? leads to our second point, the humility that surrenders. Here's the big idea. Unless you experience genuine humility before God, you will never surrender and receive God's unsolicited Christmas gift that brings you joy. I've told this story before, uh, but it was a while back, and it fits in well here again. So um, I'm going to tell it again. One Christmas, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law gave me a gift. It, it's, it was one of those battery-powered nose hair, ear hair, removal devices. And I remember thinking, what the heck? Why on earth would they give me this? I'm not some old man with weird hairs growing out of all kinds of places. So in defiance, I threw it away. I think you know where this story's going. A few years later, yeah, I went out and bought one. I used it yesterday (laughs) with that special mirror my wife has that you can really see everything up close because my eyes are bad too. You need both, the tool and the eyes. Anyway, yeah, that's how I feel. So, oh, Finn, I love you, buddy. It was like that the other night when I was hanging out with him. All right. You know, in a far more serious way, that's, that's what God's unsolicited gift of sending his son is like. We've, we've deluded ourselves into thinking, I just don't need a savior. I'm a pretty good person. God's got to accept me just the way I am while I go on and just kind of live my life for whatever I want to do. Remember the definition of sin, though, is living life in the Creator's world as if the Creator doesn't exist. And you can believe in God and still live that way. You can still hear from Christ on some day to come, I really don't know you. 
So what is it we need? We need humility. Humility before God. Otherwise, we're not going to recognize our deep need of the gift of Christ. We will just think that, that Jesus came to challenge us to be better givers. And really why he came is so that we could see our need for God's grace and rest in it. And not just on the day you come to believe, but each and every day, rest in the gift of Christ. That can be hard. You know, it can be... It's a challenge. If we do not receive this gift, we're never going to experience the forgiveness and the adoption that God gives through His Son. We'll never experience the true joy and freedom of of knowing that, that your record's been wiped clean and you've been brought into God's family for all eternity. That's the message of this gift. And instead, we'll just continue to live our few days on earth as those who think Christmas is all about me, demonstrating that I'm a pretty good giver after all. But Christmas isn't about you and me being better givers. It's about us becoming better receivers. That's what that very first nativity scene was all about. We're to be receivers before we can even begin to be givers. We need to receive God's unconditional love so that we can give unconditionally to others. So the Christian Christmas story is meant to humble us. You know, I get it. Our tendency when we hear something isn't right with us is one, one, we can like fight back and we say, no way, you don't know me. You're all wrong. Or we can say, yeah, I agree. But I really don't need Christ. You know, I just need a TED talk and some time, right? I'll fix it. Some of you are fixers. You need to rest in God's grace because you'll never be able to fix it. But the Christian life is one of humility in which we recognize that our lives are gifts. We'd rather see ourselves as givers with the power to stand on our own, to set things right. Perhaps if we have some time, help those in need. We do not want to picture ourselves as dependent and needy and and empty-handed. We're prideful people. I'm a prideful man. We need to be humbled. It's tough to be on the receiving end of unconditional love. I feel like we've got to do something, right? It makes us uncomfortable to receive a gift unsolicited from someone we hardly know. What have I got to do, right? But God just says, just rest. Rest in this gift. Receive it. Open it. It's tough to be on the receiving end of unconditional love. It requires us to see our lives not as our own possessions, but as gifts from God. Years ago, John Wesley, some of you are familiar with him, he said this, Nothing is more repugnant to capable, reasonable people than grace. That is what that prophecy of Isaiah that that the angel quotes in verse 23, that's what it helps us see. Do Do you know the context you remember? what was going on 750 years before Jesus. The prophet Isaiah was pleading with King Ahaz. Ahaz, put your trust in God. He's going to fight for you. He will defend Israel. But Ahaz wanted to do what? He he didn't really have much of an army. He wanted to go hire a mercenary army so he could fight the powerful Assyrians. 
But Isaiah warned Ahaz, he says, if you do not believe, you will not be established. Things will not go well. The kingdom will fall. Then the prophet gives the king a fearful sign that God will, um, will, God gives a, the prophet gives the, this king, this fearful king, a sign that God will fight for you if you would just believe and trust in him. And what was the sign? Verse 23, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child and you shall call him Emmanuel. What? Thought Ahaz, what? A baby? The almighty Assyrians are breathing down my neck and when I, I need a big army. I don't need a baby. Ahaz said no to the gift of God's presence in his life and, and on the battlefield. And for Ahaz, all was lost. He would not humble himself and receive the gift, as awkward as it seemed, a baby. The promise of a baby. Ahaz said no. How about you? Will you humble yourself, see your need for God's gift, and receive it with joy? You know, you can do that right here, right now. Simply just humble yourself. And say, I need Christ. I need His forgiveness for my sins. And I'm thankful He died in my place and rose so that I can have this promise. It's hard to believe, but I'm believing it. You can do that right now. You can trust in Christ and receive. That's how you open the Christmas present. You don't have to do anything. Just trust and believe. And, and who Christ was and is becomes yours. That's the message of Christianity and of Christmas. You can do it right here, right now. You know, often the best gifts we receive are the ones that we, we think we, we didn't need. But in the end, we're just glad we opened them. Willeman writes, and we'll conclude with this. He says, This is often the way God loves us, with gifts we thought we didn't need, which transform us into people we don't necessarily want to be. With our advanced degrees, armies, government programs, material comforts and self-fulfillment techniques, we assume that Christian religion is about giving a little of our power in order to conform ourselves, confirm to ourselves that we're indeed as self-sufficient as we claim. But then this stranger comes to us, blesses us with a gift, and calls us to see ourselves as we are, empty-handed recipients of a gracious God who, rather than leave us to our own devices, gave us a baby. Let's pray. Father, we're, we're not worthy of this gift, but I guess that's what gifts are about especially when they come from your hand. Things we don't deserve, you're good to give if we would but humble ourselves and admit our need of it. We thank you that this gift keeps on giving throughout all generations. It's a message of hope that this world needs to hear. May we be a church that treasures this truth that you are with us Jesus, you are our Emmanuel, and that changes.